here in Perikhov. And um, what's happened is that um, we're seeing the deterioration of the relationship between Shaul and David. And in chapter 17, when David, um, you know, wins the battle with Goliath, that begins the, the, the two diverse relationships that, um, that he has. And one is that uh, Shaul becomes slowly more and more consumed with jealousy of David and um, hatred eventually. And Yonatan, who should have basically the same reaction, Yonatan is consumed with affection, admiration, and um, kind of hero worship of David. And so that that develops in chapter 18 in Perakut Chet as a sort of under the radar situation. In other words, in Perakut Chet, we don't see um, Shoal's hostility. We don't see, you know, he, I mean, we see it as the reader, we see it, but, uh, but he tries to hide it from everybody else. It's like, you know, just gets angrier and angrier. In Paragutet, we see that um, Shaul is so anxious. Shaul is so anxious to to get David out of the way that he's already enlisting help. At the beginning of Paragutet, he's telling people, you know, let's let's have some kind of accident for David and. Shaul makes a, a very fateful mistake in chapter 19, and that is he tells Yonatan. He includes Yonatan in his collection of people that he thinks will want um, trouble for David and will want will, will hate David. And of course, Yonatan isn't part of that crowd. And Yonatan tries to convince Shaul that uh, David has nothing against him. We should look at the text. Second. Share. Look here. Okay. In Perak Yutet. Go back to Perak. Right? Shaul starts telling everybody how, uh, you know, David has to die. And Yonatan says... No, you know, um, and he gives him a whole speech, a very eloquent speech about how David is good for him and David's not a bad person and he hasn't done anything wrong. And at the end of this part of chapter 19, right, by Shaul, this Pasik Bab, after this whole speech, by Shaul swears to Yonatan that he will not kill David. So this is where Yonatan is kind of emotionally and mentally. He thinks he's talked his father in and he's no longer gonna be, um, you know, trying to kill David. But what happens as we develop chapter 19, we saw that first he threw the spear at him, right? And this was much more intentional than the ones that happened in chapter 18 where you don't even know if David realized that, or David just turned away, you know, uh, you know, as if, uh, you know, God wanted him to turn away, but he didn't do it on purpose. So if he did do it on purpose, he didn't think that Shaul 
meant anything, but this is very intentional. And then he sends, this is in uh, Tehillim Nuntet, where he, he sends uh, to watch the house and capture in the morning, and Michal saves him. And then we have this whole situation where David runs to Shmuel. And this is actually very interesting what happens with, with Shmuel. And Shmuel saves David in his own way, which is kind of interesting. Shmuel, you know, whoever comes, Shmuel, Shmuel sends messages to Shmuel to capture David. And as they get close to Shmuel, they're overpowered by um, by Ruach and they, you know, they begin prophesizing. Three times this happens, and then the, the fourth time, Shaul himself comes, and he's also overcome by the spirit of prophecy. And so Shmuel gives David a time to run away. Which brings us to chapter 20. So we, we have, first of all, let's talk about Shmuel for a moment. Shmuel does not appear again. Shmuel, it, David could be forgiven for thinking that Shmuel, who was the one who anointed him, that Shmuel will be the one to help him. But Shmuel does not either, he's not told to get involved or he doesn't want to get involved or he's too old. He just, you know, he saved David in this instance. He's kept him, given him the opportunity to run away from Shaul but he's not really involved. So here's, you know, David, our hero. He he sees that the king wants to kill him. He knows that he's anointed as supposed to be a king, and he doesn't really know what to do with this. So in Perikhov, we see the relationships deepen and, um, you know, kind of go to their sort of... Um, logical but tragic conclusions. So Perek Hoff is an extremely important Perek. It is also, uh, it's a very common sort of, or I don't know how much you can use the word common. It's a common Haftorah because of the whole Rosh Chodesh thing, because they say tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. That's part of David and Yonatan's plan. We'll see it inside. So the Mahar Chodesh is used as a Haftorah. We just had it two weeks ago when the day following Shabbos is Rosh Chodesh. When Sunday is Rosh Chodesh, we do the Haftorah. And that's a very interesting thing, like why would that be? We do learn a lot of lessons about um, friendship and loyalty and the whole idea of the Chodesh, you know, the Rosh Chodesh. I've, so, I've seen this uh, discussion, I'm just throwing it out there if anyone wants to explore the idea, is that Rosh Chodesh represents renewal. Because the moon, you know, wanes and waxes, and waxes and wanes, and so the moon represents renewal, and that's what we hope for in the, you know, the the Malchus based of it and our whole, you know, Jewish history that we will come to the place of renewal. Bezrat Hashem, so let's take a look at Perikhov. Perikhov basically has four parts to it. And um, the first part is a discussion between David and Yonatan about David, you know, and it's a strange kind of situation because David has just run away for his life. He's gone. Michal sends him away. He runs to Shmuel. And now somehow he's kind of expected to be back in the king's you know, company as if nothing happened. So this is kind of weird. 
but he does come to the person that he thinks will be the most helpful for him in this situation, and that is Yonatan. So they have this discussion, that's the first section. And then they come up, the second section is they come up um, with a plan of how to determine what, what Shaul's real intentions are. And then the, the third section is the implementation of that plan and its results. And I, I would I would change this little vision that they have here. And the last is kind of the, the end of the story and how Yonatan tells David um, what's, what his father has decided. Okay, so let's look at the Pasuk Aleph. And this is following, if you remember, Shaul becoming a, a prophet and he is kind of out of commission for a whole day and a whole night. Hagam Shaul Banivim, something very strange there. He takes off his clothes, which uh, is variously explained as taking off his royal robes or divesting himself of his physical, you know, um, trappings, the trappings of his physicality in order to be more spiritual. In any event, he's kind of out of commission and David runs away. Remember, he's He's Yehonatan now because he's this extra, got this extra godly age there. Me asiti, me avoni, me hatasi lefnei abicha kimivakeshet nafshi, and he has this triple-headed question, right? And he says to him, "What did I do? What is my sin? Did I sin in a, in a, in a intentional way or in a?" Um, mistaken way, why does your father want to kill me? Now, Yonatan, if you remember, Yonatan is left in this bubble. I took my father out of it, and he's really, uh, you know, and he says, And here we see you know, something of the purity of the soul of Yonatan. First of all, the word Khalilah is generally understood with something we use till today, generally understood as there is a um, Khalilah. Uh, it is Hulin, as opposed to Kodesh. It would be a, a Hulin, it would be a desecration, it would be something not holy, right? Lotamut. And don't forget, Yonatan has a reason to remember and to believe that when Shaul makes a vow, he really means it. If you remember back in chapter 14, right, in Yodalid, right, uh, Shaul makes these vows, no one should eat, and Yonatan has his little bit of honey, and he says Yonatan has to die. And, and Yonatan is kind of ready to submit to this, even though, you know, he, he thinks that Shaul made a big mistake with the vow, but still, right, vows are important. He vowed in chapter 19, it's not going to hurt David. Halila, lotamut. And then he says, you know, and besides that, and here we see a little bit of um, wishful thinking, let's say. Yonatan says, my father, he would never do anything and not tell me. 
Jonathan is the crown prince. And you see here, um, sadly enough, that there's a very close relationship between Shaul and Yonatan, as well as between Yonatan and David. Like, my father wouldn't do anything else. I mean, he never does anything without telling me. No, 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 David, no, no, can't be. And the interesting thing about this is, um, Yonatan, seriously, right? Of course, you know, he did make a vow. On the other hand, you know, you would be the last person that he would tell. And David swears to him, says, listen, Yonatan, <laughs> your father knows that you and I are, are tight. Your father knows that we're good friends. And he's not going to run and tell you that he wants to kill me, right? Because he says, I'm going to upset Yehonatan. He doesn't say that there's another very obvious reason why he wouldn't tell Yonatan. Not just because he doesn't want to upset Yonatan, because he doesn't want Yonatan to mess him up like Michal did. He knows his children like David. So if he tells Yonatan his plans or his plots how to kill David, Yonatan might get in the way of that. He might warn David, which he, he wants to do anyway. So there are really two reasons that he wouldn't tell Yonatan. One is that he doesn't want to upset him. And the other is that he doesn't want him to mess up his plots. But David, who is tactful, leaves out the second one and says, no, he doesn't want to upset you. And you see in the language of these two people something very, very special, something very beautiful. He, and he's swearing, David. He's like, you know what, Yonatan, it's just not like that. Now, Fessa is spelled with a sin, but we're really, it's Pesa, like a psia. Psia is a step. If I, there's just this much between me and death. I have escaped death so narrowly, so many times. You don't understand. Like, I mean, first of all, if you go to Shmuel Bet, the beginning of Shmuel Bet, the, the eulogy that David says for Shaul and Yonatan, he says basically both of them were expert marksmen and they never missed. So to escape Shaul's spear three times is very, very tight. And to have people waiting around the house to kill him and coming after him when he goes to Shmuel, he's I'm this much away from, from death. You know, you don't understand. And here, like Yonatan says, Yehonatan, Basik Dalaba, Yoma Yehonatan el David, Matomar Nafshakov Esela. Okay, David, I, I hear. Whatever. I will do whatever you want. Now, when it says nafshaka, Mefreshim explains the nefesh here as it's very interesting. Mitsuda says, And they connect the nefesh with the wisdom. And Yonatan, who, who really looks up to David, he really looks up to him. He thinks David is amazing. He says, You know, you're a wise person. Whatever you sell, whatever you say, we'll do. I, I'm, you know, he has to kind of backtrack because he's what they call in Hebrew, he is prejudiced in this case. It's very hard for him to believe that his father would want to kill his best friend. 
And, but David is telling him, you know, Yehonatan, the reason, he, of course he would tell you anything else. This is, this is the thing he's not going to tell you. This is not where the Haftorah starts. It's just a, a few more psukkins. And David says to Yehonatan, Tomorrow's Rosh Chodesh, and I, now this is a very strange phrase, Yashov Eshev. The double verb usually is emphasis. In this case, it's really trying to say, this is what I normally would do. I normally would sit with the king to eat. And it's odd, you know, after all that's gone and gone around, gone down in the, in the last parak, it does seem kind of odd that David should be expected to be at the Rosh Chodesh feast, but he does seem to be expected. You will send me, and I will hide in the field until the third evening. So we're talking about um, the day before Rosh Chodesh. So let's say um, it's Sunday night and Rosh Chodesh, let's just for for you know clarity's sake, let's say Rosh Chodesh is Monday and Tuesday. So he will be there Sunday night all of all of uh, Rosh Chodesh, uh, which is going to be um, Monday and Tuesday, and the following day, right? I'm going to be away. Now, this constitutes a problem because if the king wants you to be at the table and you do not appear at the table, this can be interpreted as malchut, rebelling against the king, and that's punishable by death. So, if David is doing a thing like this, he's letting he's um, Putting, putting himself putting, uh, putting himself open to the charge of being a rebel. But he asks Yonatan, who is the crown prince, she Lachtan, give me permission to go. So if you give me permission, and I can go. Pasuk Bav. Okay, now Pakodif could, a lot of double languages here, it's actually very interesting, and um, there, if there's something very dramatic and um, uh, emphatic about these statements. In Pakojif if your father will remember me, in other words, if he will notice that I am not there, the Amarta, you will tell him, you will say to him, or another double verb, right? He has been asked, David has been asked to run to Beit Lechem, his city, where he's from, because there is a family uh, offering there for the whole family. Now, it seems to have been some sort of minhag, and we see this by Elkanah as well, that there is, Elkanah, I should say, there is a feast, and everybody comes to the feast, and they will have portions, and this happens perhaps once a year, or whatever it is. So he's been asked to go home because the family is having this situation. Tov. If Shaul says, okay, Shalom Lavdecha, everything is cool. Everything's cool. And another double verb. If he's going to get really angry about this, da, no. Because the, that the evil is finished. That's it. It has taken him over. And here, 
we have to ask ourselves like what exactly um what exactly is that test right so basically what david is doing is he's going to be absent from a function where he is supposed to be present he is going to give an excuse like Yonatan is going to give an excuse that he sends him home because they have a family thing and if Shaul takes that okay, if it's okay by him, I'll call the Seder. And if his father gets angry, then that's it. That's it. So uh, a number of discussions here. Um, you know, Yonatan is trying to find, you know, Kaf's foot, but he's willing to go along with what David wants. And he says, okay, uh, I hear what, you, what you're trying to do. But the problem is, it's kind of, what, what is their disagreement here? I mean, it's very clear that Shoal tried to kill Yonatan. So, you know, what is, what are they trying to prove here? So the, the, the different ideas that I've looked at, um, and, and this is particularly a, um, well, let's see if I can show you. Um, that the argument here, I don't have it in front of me. Here. Okay. Okay, uh, here, this is the Radak. Radak says, the fact that he tried to kill him before, Yehonatan saying, we can deal with that. That's just my father when he has the Ruach Ra. He doesn't really want to kill you himself, but when he is possessed by this, you know, whatever we want to call it, this, you know, cloud, this this depression, whenever that comes upon him, we can deal with that. You can play music for him. You can calm him down. It's okay. So this is what the Radak says. So Yonatan's understanding is that his father only wants to kill David when he's like out of his head. And therefore, Yonatan says well you know we can we can work with that but going back to this edition but uh david is saying it's it's not going to help he's determined to kill me or not and he actually gets very strong with yonatan Please do a chesed with me because you and I have made a covenant. You've brought me into a covenant with you. And he says, you know, if I've done something wrong, you kill me. Why, why let leave Shaul out of it? You just put me to, to death. It's as if David is, is kind of distraught. Like I'm, I'm, it's this terrible situation. And, um, you know, just kill me. And Yonatan is horrified. No, God forbid. What are you talking about? 
What do you mean? If if this is how my father really is, if it's gone beyond, according to Radak, if it's gone beyond the 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 parameters of him being in his what you call it for my sister call it a psychotic state, if he's gone beyond that and he wants to kill you no matter what, do you think I wouldn't tell you? Do you think I wouldn't uh, you know uh, help you with that? Right? And Yonatan is hurt. Like, what do you mean? I have, of course, like Kilo. It's almost as if David is casting a little bit of a doubt on, you know, and and I think that one of the things we have to think about here is this terrible triangle here. Like Yonatan is in this horrific position because he loves David and he really truly believes in David, and he thinks David's in the right here, and he thinks it's his father, and he loves his father also. So it's really, really torn loyalties. We see the story with Michal, and we'll see how it plays out for the two of them. But it's just a, a really a big mess, right? And David is, is sensitive to it. And he says, And who's going to tell me? If he says, he says, I'll tell you if my father wants to kill you. I will let you know. So David says, who, who will tell me? And then he says that the, the second half of Pasuk Yud is kind of weird. Oh, mayan chavi hapasha. Oh, so it's is it is there either or here? Is it mia uh, gidli or what your father will answer you harshly? It sounds like the O oh is more of a you know an exclamation, right? Mia gidli. If you have good tidings for me, great, but. I'm afraid that your father's going to answer you very, very harshly, which indeed he does. And you see that David's sensitive to that, and David understands that, and David's feeling bad for Yehonatan's upcoming disappointment, which is going to be very, very difficult. So this this Pasuk, Pasuk is like, it's it's a hard one. And like, what do we do with all these complicated and difficult relationships? Very, very sad. Very, very sad. And um, let's go out to the field and then go out to the field. Now, the whole point of the field, right? And we saw this back with Yaakov. When Yaakov wants to speak to Rachel and Leah, he takes them out to the field. You know, we have this expression, Aznayim Lakotel. If you are in an inside situation, somebody might overhear you. In the great outdoors, that isn't going to happen. There's also the question of where David's going to hide and how they're going to set up their signals, right? So for that, they need to be in the field as well because that way they will be able to say, okay, here you're going to hide. This is where I'm going to be. And this is where this is going to happen. They're plotting out their, their plan. Below us a shlach, below And Yonatan is saying, by the Shem, in other words, it's, these are oaths when you start putting, putting in the Shem's name. When I investigate my father, Echkor, Chakiraz, investigation, when I question him, this time, the day after tomorrow, Machar Shlishit, Machar would be tomorrow, and Machar Shlishit would be um, the day after. But he told us, I mean, if he says good things, I'm going to run and tell you. Of course, I'm going to tell you right away. 
So Pasuk Yudbeth, uh, Yonatan is saying, I'm going to let you know right away. This is a... Uh, this is going to be okay, right? Pasuk Gimel. And Yonatan's getting very agitated. Pasuk Gimel. Right? Another expression of an oath, right? But if it's good, he doesn't, he like, he has a hard time phrasing this. If it'll be good to my father, then things will be bad for you. I'll tell you then also. And I'll send you away. And you will go in peace. This is sort of um, a declaration that, you know, that the Mephoshim really uh, sit up and take notice. He says, if my father wants to kill you, I will send you in peace. I will help you go. And God should be with you like he was with my father. And the Farshim read into this that he understands that Dub is going to be the next king and that Hashem is no longer with his father, but his connection to his father is strong. The fact that he calls him Avi, 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 right? You see, right? Echkorit um, Avi, right? Kiyetibel Avi, like it's his father he keeps saying that and he knows that he says but like god is not with him anymore and god is with you and i and i i understand that that's where where we're going we're going uh that you're going to be the king and god should be with you now the, the gemara here i'll show you an interesting gemara this is a whole discussion of humility and the word discusses three cases. We're not going to go into the other two cases, right? Um, the three cases are Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, the Bnei and Yonatan Ben Shaul, right? And he quotes here a few chapters ahead by Yom, by, when he says, Yonatan says to David, they meet again in chapter 23. You're going to be the king on Israel, and I will be your second. I will be your second in command. And this is such a, um, how do we know that these men were truly modest, right? Um, they, the, the, the ability of Yonatan, I mean, the Gemara discusses it, it goes back and forth with it, but the, the ability of the Yonatan to say, you're going to be the king, which we see, this is not in this parish, in chapter, thir- chapter 23. You're going to be the king and I will be second to you is an unbelievable, unbelievable act of humility. I'm willing to pass along my uh, title to the crown and I will be second in command. It, it, the amazing recognition that Yonatan has that David is worthy of this and that he puts himself second. It's very, very amazing. And I think that um, one of one of the lessons we learned from Yonatan in this story is incredible humility, the ability to put yourself um, second, the ability to say, you know, you're the better man for the job and that's okay with me. And another thing that we um, should think about, and that is the, the mitzvah of a haftal rechav kamocha, you shall love your neighbors yourself. And the Ramban, 
in his discussion of that mitzvah, right? The Ramban says, how do you do that? It's one of the difficult questions. Like, how do you legislate an emotion? You should love your neighbors yourself. And the Ramban says the trick to doing that, and he doesn't call it that way, that's my expression. He says, you have to get rid of jealousy. You have to get rid of the feeling that you still have to be better than someone. You still have to leave some corner of your world where you feel superior. You have to be able to want everything good for your friend, everything good. And he quotes the, you know, there, the love of Yonatan and David and the mission that says, which is the love that's not dependent on anything. And that's the love of David and Yonatan. It's an interesting thing because there's just, there's just the, the affinity that they have because they're both such holy people and great people and the the ability of Yonatan to love David to this extent where he's willing to like, you know, pass on his own future is very, it's a very, very rare and admirable trait. And then he says, Pasuk Yedalit, the lo amodenu high, the lo chesed Hashem, the lo amud. And if, when that time happens, right, he's looking to the future, when the time happens and you will become the king, right, I'm still alive. I know you're going to be good to me and not kill me. And you will never cut off your kindness to my household forever. And not even at the time when Hashem removes the enemies of David from from the land. And that's a sort of a euphemism here that he's saying, the enemies of David, right? When that time happens, and this is a common thing, which is not a Jewish thing, but of course it is something that we see that happens even in, among the Jewish kings in, in Sefer Malachim, that when one king takes power, like he wipes out the family of the previous king, make sure he doesn't have any competition. And Yonatan is expressing his faith in David that not only will David preserve his own life, but also the life of his children. That's a whole complicated So you wouldn't have time to go into it, but um, this is what Yonatan expects from David. This is a very cryptic Pasuk. Yonatan makes that covenant with the house of David, and Hashem requires it from the hand of the enemies of David. And that's sort of, um, Rashi goes into this, like there is a very, very uh, big warning that we have here. And that is that Yonatan expects this uh, oath to be fulfilled. And oaths are, like we said, extremely important. Don't make an oath if you don't want, don't intend to fulfill it. And we have that whole, you know, we just see by the, you know, the start of Yom Kippur, Kol Nidre, how, how important the Durham are. And this Pusik is giving us a hint that there's a problem here with the oath. Because Yonatan and David, right, Yonatan makes an oath with the Beit David. Not the Beit David, there's no Beit David. You don't even hear that David says children there. And God required that oath from the hands of the enemies of David. And this is a hint that the Chazal say, 
to what happens much later uh, when Yonatan's son, Ephibosheth, who is crippled, and, and David gives him everything good and takes very good care of him, Yonatan's son, and protects him. But at the time of the rebellion of Absalom, because he's crippled, he can't go with David, and his servant lies to David about it and says he's really supporting Absalom. And David kind of accepts that Lashon Hara and divides when Mephibosheth sees him and he says, uh, you know, he, my servant lied about me. It's not true. I was always supporting you. And David can't accept that. And he divides the property between the two of them. And according to Hazal, that's when Hashem makes a decree that David's kingdom will be split after um, Shlomo's death. So that's Rechab uh, and Yerav are going to split the kingdom. So the oath that David gives here to Yohanan is going to be compromised, and that's going to be a problem. But in the meantime, and he continues to um, vow to him and promise him because he loves him so much. It's it's really touching to think what a crosswords uh, Yonatan is at at this point. Oh, yeah. Sad story. Okay. Anyway, they make this plan. And this is where the Haftoah begins. Tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. And you will be noticed because your seat will be empty. It will be noticed. And it's interesting to us just as a general sense to see how Rosh Chodesh was a holiday and how he was ce- it was celebrated. As a matter of fact, let's go on. Now, what means on the third the third time, the third day. So we're saying that this is going to be the second day of Rosh Chodesh. That at that time you will hide very carefully. And it's also uh, possible to understand Tehreid mode. Then we're going to go down into the depths of what Shaul was thinking. After a couple of days of your absence, the first day might not be a big deal, and it isn't. But after that, we'll see. Now, you're going to come to the place where you hid. And that's at the beginning of chapter 19 on the day of the deed, where you hid so that you could hear Shaul saying that he's never going to kill you. And you're going to say, stay there by the, the rock that's called Emina Ezel, which is a landmark. Ba'ani, and this is the plan, I'm going to shoot three arrows to the side. I'm going to miss the mark. Again, Shaul and Yonatan are expert marksmen. But he's going to, he has a plan here. This is the plan. Uh, I'm actually laughing here because I'll tell you in a minute. If you say to the, if I say to the nar, to the kid, the arrows, the kid is, you see, it's not, um, Pasnish, we can say in Yiddish. It's not acceptable for the crown prince to go running after his arrows, but arrows were a valuable commodity. You can't just throw them away. So um, he's having target practice. He's going to miss, and he's going to tell the kid, 
go and get the arrows there, but they're closer. When the kid is running, they know they're closer to me. And that will be a signal that you should come. Everything's fine. Shalom in the Hashem. Right. The M Koomala Elam. Now Elam, Rabbi Yaakov says, is uh, implying a younger person because a nar is dependent on the rank. Like it could be a nar, could be uh, older or, or younger. Like Yoshua's a nar until he's 80. So, but an Elam is always young. I'm going to, if it's bad news, I'm going to take a really little kid. That's what Rabbi Yaakov says. But M Koomala Elam, Hinea and if I say the Arabs are past you, then you have to go because Hashem has sent you. And the language here is very important. God sent you. At this point in time, if Yonatan sees that that's the way it goes, he'll say that is an act of God. God wants you to go and you have to go. I'm laughing because I used to have a signal with my mother, Zafalavaha, when back in the days when I was dating. You know, I, if, you know, whoever, we didn't have pictures then, who knew who was coming to the door? So if, I told my mother, if the guy is short, then you say, Esther, come down. And that means I can't wear heels. <laughs> but if he's tall, you can just say, Esther, come, and then I'll know that I can come down wearing heels. That was our little signal. <laughs> so his signal with the arrows is, if the arrows are past you, you have to go. If the arrows are near, come closer, then you can come. But the things that we spoke together, that is always going to be between us. So we see here a couple of things. We see here the humility and the um, selfless love of of Yonatan, it's actually something unbelievably uh, admirable and special. And we see the oath that they make. And now we're going to see how that plot plays out. And David hid in the field as per the plan. And it was the Rosh Chodesh. And the king sat to the bread, in other words, to the Suda, as you as expected. Now there's something a little strange here about the seating arrangements for this little party. So first of all, the king sits in his customary place as usual, and he sits by the wall. Now, why does he sit by the wall? There is a, uh, a comment by Rabbi Yonatan Abishitz, who wrote a book about this, uh, David and Yonatan. Uh, and he says that what happens if you sit by the wall? Nobody can sneak up on you. By this time, Shaul is in the throes of full-blown paranoia. And he doesn't want to be anywhere where somebody could sneak up on him. That also reminds me of old days when I used to walk in, in uh, my neighborhood coming back from college and uh, it wasn't such a great streets that I had to go through. I walked in the middle of the street 
so that nobody could like sneak up on me. So it sounds, it, it seems plausible. But what happens is that Yonatan gets up, right? If, if Shalu is sitting by the wall, right? It seems as if the seat next to Shaul was supposed to be David's. And Yonatan gets up and Avner, who is Shaul's cousin, right? The commander in chief, he sits next to Shaul and David's place is empty. So it sounds as if no one sat in David's place and Avner took the next place and then Yonatan sits. Yonatan. So Rashi, right? They used to kind of recline when they ate, like we do on Pesach. So it wasn't such an honor for the son to do it next to the father. So David would be closer than Yonatan. And Yonatan seems to, it's possible to state this, Yonatan wants David's place empty. He doesn't want to fill in that place. He wants to know the truth. And it's necessary that the place should be empty for him to see it. And Shaul doesn't say anything the first day. Dub is not there. It says a mikre. Now mikre is, is a double language because mikrem is a coincidence. It is also has a sexual connotation that he has to carry. He had a, a discharge. who is not pure. Lotahor. So there's a couple of things. So first of all, we have to understand that we learn here about Rosh Chodesh something. We learn that they only ate in a state of Tara, the Rosh Chodesh meal. And also, when he says Bilti Tahor, that's what we call Lashem Nekiyah. He doesn't say he's Tameh. He's not Tahor. But then he repeats it, Kilo Tahor. And that's kind of psychologically interesting because at this point in time, you know, Shoal has a full-blown hatred for David. It's going to come out in the next Yupsukim. And yeah, like, yeah, when you really dislike somebody, nothing they do is right. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a tummy kind of person. Probably he's not, he's not Tahori, he's not Tahori, he's not. He, David cannot do anything right at this point. It's kind of interesting. Now, before we get into this, I just want to show you the Rabbeinu Bukhaya. This is a very interesting discussion, the Samachar Chodesh. The question all the first ask here is, how come, how come they have two days Rosh Chodesh? Because if they denounce Rosh Chodesh because of a witness, then they only need one day Rosh Chodesh. Someone sees the new moon, they make Rosh Chodesh. But Yonatan knows, and David knows it's going to be Rosh Chodesh. So Rebbeinu Bahaya argues here, and the basis of this story here, he goes into this whole discussion, which we don't have time for, but basically what he says is even the time of Tanakh, even in the time of Tanakh, it was a thing that they used the calendar and it wasn't necessarily based on the witnesses. Okay, so the second day of Rosh Chodesh, David's place is empty again. Pasik of Zion's second half. But Yomer Shaulo Yehonatan Beno. Madualo Ba Beni Shai Gam Timol Gam Hayomer Alachem. Why has Beni Shai, notice the, the, um, it's kind of disparaging. Why hasn't the son of Yishai come today uh, or yesterday to the, the feast? 
פסק כ"ח. ויען יהונתן את שאול נשאל, ושאול נשאל דוד, remember his name is דוד, מאימדי את בית לחם. He was asked if he could go to בית לחם, פסק כ"ט. ויאמר, שאכן נינה כי זבח משפחה לנו בעיר, והוא ציווה לי אחי. And he said, please give me permission to go, because my family has their, their uh, situation, their zevach in the city. My, my brother commanded me, remember Eliab, he's not, he's not such a pushover. And if it's okay with you, then I will, um, if I find favor in your eyes, then I'll just run off and see my, my family. That's why he didn't come to the table of the king. Now, first of all, if you notice the way that Yehonatan presents this, he's giving David every excuse. They had a family thing, and my brother wants me to come. He commanded me, listen, the oldest brother, it sounds like Ishai is gone, but his oldest brother is kind of the one who gives, who, who gives the rules, and he says, come, and I want to see my family, and he's giving all of these excuses, hoping that Shaul will take it well, which he doesn't, right? And don't forget, in the back of our mind should be the scene of chapter 16, when Shmuel goes to anoint David, and he says, you know, if Shaul hears about this, he'll kill me. So it's, it's the tribe of Yehuda. It's a very, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a respected and well-loved character. There's something here that smells to Shaul. He doesn't like it at all. By Yicharav Shaul the Yonatan, Pasuk Lamed, by Yomer Lo. Benava kamardut, halo yadati ki gebocher atal ben Yishai, lovosh lechal, lovoshet erbati mecha. And Shaul gets very angry with Yonatan, and he says, you are the, a sinny, sinful, rebellious son, right? Don't you know, I, don't I know that you choose Ben Yishai again? Ben Yishai, this is an embarrassment for you, an embarrassment for your mother's nakedness, which is a real slur. You are a bastard, is what he's saying. You are not my son, right? You choose to be with the son of Yishai, right? Pasuk Lama Aleph. Ki kol yamim asher Ben Yishai chayel adama lo tikon atal malchusecha. The whole, don't you know that as long as he's alive, you won't be king? You won't have a kingdom? Bring him here because he is the liable to death. Now, first of all, this is terribly harsh language. He's not only insulting Yonatan, you're not my son. He's insulting his mother, who we know nothing about, right? And he's saying... Look what people are going to say. They're going to say you're not really my son because you're choosing David over me, over your family, over your future. I want David here. I want to kill him. He's enraged. Now, the Rashi brings an interesting message, which I always was fond of. If you could say, Ben Tamar, just either you are sinful or you are the son of a sinful, rebellious woman. Now, why would he call his wife sinful and rebellious? Because you go back to Shoftim, when the, the Binyamin was looking for wives and they sent them out to the fields in Shiloh to pick a wife, the Medrash says this, this was, Shoal was too bashful to pick a wife. And she picked him, which I always found that quite amusing. Don't forget, he was very tall and good looking in those days. 
And so he's like, she's too bold and you're just like her. You're rebellious and you are not my uh, acting, not like my son. bit. And Yehonatan is so upset. Massa, why would you kill him? What did he do? Classic Lama Gila Gimel. Bayatel Shola Tahanit Alav Lahakoto, Bayeta Yonatan Kikalahime Ima Vibla Mitzavid. And Shola picked up the spear. Now it's not clear if he actually throws it, but Yatel, what does it mean? He took it and he's about to strike his own son with the spear. And Yonatan knows that's it. He just, that's it. He's just going to determine to kill David. Now, I wanted to point out here that the Mishnah says, Do not appease your friend at the time of his anger. This is a fabulous Mishnah, one of my favorites, which we don't have time to go into. But one of the examples that the Mepharshim give is this story. You have Shaul in a rage. When someone is raging, you cannot calm them down. So why would you want to kill him? And then Shaul wants to kill Yonatan also. He just gets angrier. And the, the, the metaphor is pouring oil on a fire. When a person is enraged, a very important lesson the Mishnah gives us. If you see someone who's angry, leave them alone. Right now is not the time to talk to them. The rest of the Mishnah talks about other cases where a person is in the grip of strong emotion and you need to give them space. That is not the time to talk to them. But poor Yonatan has been so insulted on every level, hurt for his friend, hurt for himself, insulted by his, in his birth, insulted by his mother. Now it's Yonatan's turn to be furious. He couldn't eat any bread because he was sad about David. He was grieved about David and his father had embarrassed him. So the question is, are these two separate incidents or one thing? But we see that Yehonatan is very, very sad. Lamed Hay takes a really little boy, so the kid won't know anything, right? And Vayoma the Nairo, Pasik Lamed Vav, Roots, Mitzara Tachitzim, Asher Anochim Ore, Hanar, Rats, Bahu Yara, Chetzi Labiro. And he says, Run and find my arrows that I'm shooting. Yara is the root. Yud Reish Hay, Yuriot, like Yeri today, shooting. Hanar, Rats, Bahu Yara, Chetzi Labiro. And he shot the arrow deliberately past. The boy, Pasik Lamed Zion, by Yavoa Nar and Makoma Chetzia Shayara Yahonatan, by Yakrayahonatan Achareha Nar, by Yomar Haloa Chetzi Mukhaba Hala. Here is the signal. He says, the, the youth comes to the place of the arrow, and Yonatan calls after him, The arrow is past you, go past you, which is a signal to say, David, you have to run away. And he adds to it because of the, the, the urgency. He says, hurry, hurry, don't stand around. And the kid collects the arrows and brings them back. The kid didn't know what was going on here. But Yehonatan and David knew 
what this was about. He sends the kid away. Now, it's interesting, a lot of discussion about this, but it seems to me very simple. You made the, the, the sign in case someone sees and someone follows Yonatan and someone knows what's going on and someone's there. But there's nobody there except this kid. So he gets rid of the kid and now they can talk to each other in a normal way. The kid left. He came, he got up from the rock, the southern rock where he was hiding. And he comes toward Yonatan. He bows down three times. Like once when he comes out, maybe once on the way when he gets them, he bows down. And they kiss each other and they cry. And um, the, the expression here, it seems as if David cries more. We're going to get back to us to the last pasuk. Membet, David shalom. Go to peace. Go, go, and 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 make things be good for you. Let's not forget that we have vowed, we have vowed to be loyal to each other, my my children and your children, forever. So let's go back to Adavidiel. Um, there is such a an emotional um, see. It's a really hor horrific moment and a very fateful moment in the lives of these two men. David, from his side, cries more. And the question is, why does David cry more? So there's a number of ex explanations here, but it would seem to say, right, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, midrashim here, but it seems as if David is now about to part from a friend who, until this moment, he perhaps didn't realize how far Yehonatan is willing to go to support him. When you talk about a true, true friend, and like, and 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 David has to leave him now. He's he's so upset. Perhaps at the beginning of the parrot, he was not sure. Like maybe you kill me. Maybe you want to be with your on your father's side. Maybe, you know, David is so, you know, hurt and 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 you know worried. Like who's on my side? And then he finds this. Yonatan has done everything for him, gotten into a huge fight with his father for him, and is helping him when he knows that it's to his own detriment, and David is like overcome with this. On the other side, you have Yonatan, who is so distraught because he has he's not been able to eat. He had this massive fight with his father. He's completely embarrassed and insulted, and he has this... Um, terrible feeling like now his best friend is leaving he doesn't know what's going to be with him and he's had a break with his father so in a certain sense Yonatan's tragedy is very great because he's torn between his father and his friend and now he's kind of losing both of them at the same time it's really very sad and we have to see that from here on the break with Shaul I mean there are going to be different moments 
and you know in the next few chapters where there's some certain interactions, but the break between Dovin and Shoal is pretty final at this point. And um yeah, it's uh it's a hard one. It's also possible that Yehonatan didn't really believe that his father was so was so determined to kill David, and that that really was a great shock to him. He didn't really expect that. So my father, my father, my father. So it's a tough, tough situation for both of them. Okay, so uh, what did we learn from this? We learned what real friendship means, what true loyalty means. And um, yeah, that's a big thing, what it looks like when a person is able to put the good good of you know other people and the nation ahead of his own private things righty gonna stop the screen share this questions you can unmute yourself very major turning point oh they did there is something about the arrows the arrows what's the symbolism of the arrows and one of the things I saw was very interesting is that the arrows represent, they're one of the descriptions of Lush and Hara. That when you shoot an arrow, right? When you speak Lush and Hara, it's like shooting an arrow. You can hurt somebody from very far away. And so Shoal has accepted Lush and Hara and um, about David and that, you know, that arrow goes flying and he knows where the damage would be. So I thought it was an interesting, what's the symbolism of the arrows? Okay, any questions, any thoughts? It's a heart-wrenching story. It's, it's so, tra so tragic. And there's an interesting uh, comment. Um, I have to find the source for it, that if Yonatan would have gone away with David and like stuck with David at a sofa, that perhaps it would have ended the way he said, that David would have been the king and he would have been the second. He wouldn't have died with his father. But he's kind of staying with his father, right? There's another thing that's really sad here, and we'll see when we talk about chapter 21. <clears throat> Yehonatan is a great guy, and we love him madly, but he is not a Jewish mother. And he doesn't bring David any food. And he himself can get along without food. But when you send someone off on a long trip without food, that's going to be problematic. So Jewish mothers don't do that. Jewish mothers, no. Send them off with a sandwich in the bag. And uh, that's going to be a problem next week. We'll talk about it. It's very heart-wrenching. It's very heart-wrenching. You know, Yonatan is just... He's such a tremendous personality, and uh, it's kind of sad that he's stuck in the in the middle here. Not not sure where to go. Alrighty mm. then. Yeah. Yeah, he sticks with his father, and then he goes to war, and it's that fateful war where he dies in battle, uh, Yonatan. So, yeah, no, it's a very, it's very a complicated, way. very complicated. Yeah. Where are the loyalties? Do we have other examples of this, like, 
I don't want to go into a certain direction, but this hugging and kissing of two men um, and like, I mean, I don't know. Is is that a thing? It's, is it... it's a tough party because they know that like this is the end of a certain phase of their friendship because, you know, they can never like, they can't be like they were, they're brothers-in-law, you know, they're clearly close. It's, it's sort of an ending, you know. This is what the Hazal say that the, what do they call it? There's the kiss of greatness, the kiss, kiss of parting. There's a third one. This is the kiss of parting. It's a, it's a real parting. Like they do meet again once, um, but for all they know, they may never meet again. They're really, uh, so it's a hard one. And it seems, you know, that there are a lot of midrashim about like why does David cry more? But it does seem that Pashtus is like he 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 looks at Yehonatan and says, like, where will I ever find such a friend again? Where will I ever find that kind of loyalty? It's mind-boggling what Yehonatan does for him. Oi, oi, oi. And it's interesting that David commands such loyalty. Everybody loves David. Must be a certain special charm, charisma. Drives Shaul crazy. And Yehonatan has really risen to this challenge in an amazing way. Would be would be totally understandable if Yehonatan hated David just as much as Shaul. It would make a lot of sense. It tells you that you know a person with the right motivation and with the right um, midot can really rise above them. So the Gemara says one of three. Examples of humility. It's interesting, Gemara, because it doesn't mention Moshe. Um, but there's three stories there. And the stories talk about like someone else's greatness. Like Moshe is very humble, but he doesn't have to contend, you know, with other people's greatness. That's the 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 test here for Yonatan is like David is truly a greater person than him, and he's able to deal with that and respect it and honor it. Well, considering but, that they didn't have a lot of money. Anyways. Yeah. All righty. Everybody okay over there? All right. So, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. We get to learn Torah, which is always a great a great thing. Right. But our learning is very special these days. It's uh, to be in the merit of the Chayalim and of the Shvuyim and the Nifkaim. 
all the people who need Rufuas and Yeshuas and Geulas, and they should all come home safely and healthy. That should be, our learning should be Yaskut. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye.